We're going to transition to our time of worship through God's Word now. I've been walking through sermon series um, entitled Home Improvement. And, and speaking of being rooted in truth, of being able to see God's truths, how they speak to all of life. They're not just these abstract things of, about God divorced from our everyday life, divorced from our work or finances, marriage or parenting. But God speaks to that with precision, but also with power and grace for us. We've walked through parenting, and today we're going we're gonna to be exploring or, or talking about the family rug. The family rug. Have you ever heard of the phrase, sweeping things under the rug? In every home, to some degree, we've got a place where we, we hide things. When you've got people coming over, and you have guests, and you know, and maybe some of us are procrastinators, like, and we're like, oh, we got to clean things up. Some of you are well prepared and planned, and, and you, uh, you already have your homes really well cleaned up in advance. But, but there's some of us that we scramble to, to clean things up, and you have a special place where you put things, where you hide things, just to, just to get them out of the way so, so that your guests don't see them, Right? Or kids, or do you have a place in your room maybe that you might hide things from mommy and daddy? A special place. Yes, I see that hand. Yes. Yes, at least someone's honest in the house here. Yeah, we all have special hiding places. There might be that closet, right? That, that proverbial closet where we stuff things and don't open that. It might fall down upon us, right? That other metaphor is we, have a, we all have a rug to some degree in our families and in our lives that we might just kind of sweep things under. Just, you know, I don't want to like necessarily have to like pull out the dustpan and, and deal with this. Like I just want to like, I want to get it out of the way. And we pull up the rug and we sweep things under it. We don't just do that physically. We do it emotionally. We do it relationally in our homes. In today's text, we're going to be talking about, in today's sermon and text, we're going to be seeing God liberate us. And instead of hiding things from God, the power of shame causes us to hide things, whether, whether it's sin or things that we've done, or whether it's things that have been done to us. Whether through sin in this world or, 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 or by, by other people, the shame causes us to hide. And we live under this, uh, this, this, this oppression, this darkness. It eats at our soul. It undermines our joy in our families. God wants to liberate us. God wants to give us freedom through Jesus Christ. Because with his help, we don't hide from him, but we hide. Our text today is Psalm 32. You can turn there in your, in your Bibles or Bible apps. But as we set this up, I've got a rug up here for those of you who can't see. And in this... In this proverbial sweeping things under the rug, and as you're, again, you're, as you're turning towards the, the passage there, there are things that happen in our family lives or in our homes 
that, that we don't deal with necessarily. Shows the first aid kit representing, there's pain. There's pain that happens in our homes. We're all broken people and we have broken experiences. But sometimes in the family, we don't talk about those things. We don't talk about the pain and the problems. We let that be silent. And we sweep it under the rug. There's other things we sweep under the rug. Maybe it's... Maybe it's, maybe it's anger. Stole this from the nursery, so I'm sure the kids are... There's a revolt. It's my fault. There might be anger in the home. And we're not able to talk about that anger or who, who expresses that anger. And one person can have all the anger and everybody, nobody else can knows how to feel and they stuff their feelings. And we don't, we don't talk about the anger in the home. Maybe there's, because of pain in the past, maybe there's, maybe there's addiction that's come about. And we can't talk about the, the medication of the pain in the life and how that comes out. Maybe it's sexual choices that have been made. And we, we, ju- we just keep things silent, but we don't talk about those choices or grief and loss of people we've loved. And there's pain, and this is ongoing uh, residual pain as it manifests in the home of those that, 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 that we've loved that have been lost, and it gets played out in so many different emotions and ways, but we can't talk about it. We walk on eggshells. We don't work through it. There may be other things that, that, that happen in our homes. There abuse, mental health issues. But once again, we don't talk. We just sweep these things under the rug And pretend like they don't exist. But they do and we feel it. They come out. It undermines our health, our joy. Friends, We're walking this road today to uncover and step into darkness in order to come into light. We're not going here for shame. We're going here today to be liberated from shame. The grace of Jesus, the love of Jesus wants to set us free. Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found, surely in the rush of great for me. 
you preserved me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you. And the way you should go, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sires of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord, O rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy. All you upright in heart. Let's pray, friends. Holy Spirit, we ask for your, you to you break in, break us free, Lord Jesus, from bondage today. As we hear from David himself, who had gone through so much, and there was so much sin and brokenness in his own life. There's even so much hiding that he had done. And he had to learn the hard way, Lord God, the importance, the significance of confession, of bringing what's in darkness into light, to trust you are good to deliver him. Not his control to cover things, but to be covered by you. God, help us today. As in the lies and as Satan seeks to attack and continue, Lord Jesus, to stuff things through shame, Lord God. We pray for a powerful work of your presence to liberate us, Lord God, that we might bring the pain, bring the past, bring the shame to you, Lord God. That we can know your joy. That we can break through the lies of the enemy. That we can give our, the next generation hope, life in you. Jesus, I pray for you to come upon me. I feel the spiritual attack already. Holy Spirit, fill me to speak your word. In your name we pray. Amen. So we walk through Psalm 32 here. We start off, and we're going to see here in these first few verses that those who receive forgiveness are released from shame through Christ. And they experience a fountain of unending joy. Look, look at these verses with me. Verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. The word blessed here is this meaning of, of joy-filled. It's, it's, not, it's not merely, the word blessing just, just doesn't quite adequately, adequately describe the experience of the person here. This joy-filled experience that those people have who've come out of darkness into light, who've who've confessed and keep a clean account with the Lord, is joy filled within them. That's like this fountain that just keeps coming. You know, those who, if you've had the privilege of experiencing this, where you have a clean account, where you know, like, I, I have nothing I'm ashamed of. There's nothing that anybody has against me. I'm forgiven. The Lord has washed all my sin. 
I have a clean account. There's no secret accounts. I have a clean account with God and with Jesus. And I'm secure in him. Nobody has anything against me. That's an incredible, powerful freedom. I think of the, the uh, of, of like a, a helium-filled balloon. And you know those helium-filled balloons, right? They want to rise, right? But when we've not confessed, when we've, when we've held on to, or when, when we've kept silent about things we've done, or as we talk about things here, I'm also going to relate this to things that were done to us. Sin done to us. Because the power of shame is that sin that has been done to us, we hide. We, we, it infects you. An added layer of the injustice of the wrong that was already done. And it operates in the same way for those, for the, for those areas where we have sinned ourselves. And it holds us down like, like, a, like a helium-filled balloon that wants to rise, but is weighted down and held down by, by these rocks, by all these things in our lives, whether it's been done to us or things that we've done. But when we confess these things, when we receive Jesus paying the price, we receive Jesus saying, I'm removing this from you. I'm taking it on me. Paul said, he who had no sin became sin for us. Jesus in himself it takes your sin, but not just your sin, but the sin done to you. Let me take that poison in you onto myself and relieve you. And when those rocks are removed from that healing balloon and it rises and it just keeps rising, that joy that we have when we are released the joy that God offers you and me. The psalmist is inviting right at the beginning here. There's joy, friends. Blessed are you. When you, when, when you expose these things that are in darkness into the light, blessed are you. Joy filled. There's, there's more. You don't have to continue to walk in this road of fear and insecurity, that these messages of shame eat at your mind when nobody else knows. There's freedom. Come. Psalmist. David here, he would later say, describing God's love for us. As far as the east is from the west, he removes our sin. The work of Jesus is to take the shame away, to take it on himself. He says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so much is his love for you today, right now. As things get per- percolate and come to the surface, the enemy is going to be right here this morning saying, don't talk about it. Don't deal with it. If they only knew, they just don't know how bad your things are. If you bring it up, more problems are going to come. There's going to be all kinds of defensive kinds of messages that are going to keep this infection in your soul growing. Because he wants you in bondage. 
But Jesus is inviting you out. You see, the language he uses here in verse 1, blessed is, this, is the person whose sin is covered by God. What this means is that we're hiding it in him, not, not hiding it in ourselves later. Later in verse 5, it talks about uh, acknowledging the sin and I did not cover it. There's a difference between when we try to cover our sin, it corrupts us. It kills us. But when we trust the Father to take it from us, he will take it away from us. So the number one, look at this, you sinner. Look, look what they did to you. You're a piece of trash. You're dirty. Nobody wants you. No, 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 no. That's taken away. Jesus took that on himself. I am loved by him. I'm accepted. I am clean because Jesus is covering me. I'm not covering myself. David goes deeper. Speaking of his own testimony, when I kept silent, shame. When we sweep sin under the rug, it infects a family, it infects our soul with destruction and bondage of shame. The silence of shame when I kept silent. Sometimes in our home, we may have been explicitly told, you don't talk about this to anyone. And that rule is loaded. And so as a family, we don't talk about it. We all know it's there. But we don't talk about what that is, the anger, the abuse, the pain, the, med- the self-medicating, the mental, the mental health struggle. We don't, we don't talk about it. It's what shame does. Don't talk. Don't trust. Don't feel. We see this at the very beginning when Adam and Eve, the, the first human beings, when they, when they disobeyed God, they disobeyed God because they wanted to be like God. That, that's the essence of sin is that we want to be like God, we want to replace God. We don't want God in our lives to lead us and guide us. And we want to be our own leaders. We want to be our own guides. We, we want control. And Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God, wanting that control, wanting to replace God. And all of a sudden, their eyes were opened, not because they were enlightened, because they were now filled with shame. And they hid. They hid from the one who loves them. They hid from the one who created them. That hiding continues in us, all of humanity today. That's Satan's tool, shame. 2 Corinthians, Paul nails this. There's a difference between being convicted of things that are, that are wrong and broken. Conviction is good. There's what I call godly guilt. That moves us towards change. That moves us towards healing and wholeness. That moves us towards Jesus. We need conviction. But there's a difference between this godly guilt, this good guilt versus satanic shame is what I call it. Worldly grief. As you can see in the text here, 2 Corinthians 7.10. For godly grief produces a repentance 
that leads to salvation without regret. Doesn't that sound great? No regret. Just let the, let the like freedom of that enter your body. No regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. Satanic shame kills. And, and we think with the illusion that shame gives us, control it. Control the pain. Control the past. Control it. Cover it yourself. This illusion. But it comes out. It works itself out in our families in different ways or in our own personal lives in different ways. Whether it's some of us become over-functioners and we're perfectionists and we're, we're people-pleasers and we're, we're just trying to get people uh, to, to see us and, 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 and to not ruffle the feathers. Don't make people angry. Because it's your fault if other people get angry. You're in control of other people's emotions. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Some of you need to hear that today. You overfunction. You become people pleasers. Or you become angry yourself. The injustice, the wrongs that have been done. And there's no amount of retaliation or bitterness that will ever uh, cover up or, 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 or meet the, the need of the bitterness of what's been done. And you see injustice everywhere. You're sensitive to, to injustice and wrongs being done or being done to you by others. There, there might be distrust in relationships. The, the inability to, to make close connections or to keep close relationships because of the shame. I can't get too close because then... I'll be known. I can't even know myself. I can't go there. I can't let others get close to me. We medicate some of us with addiction, the pain. We might turn to self harm to release the dark feelings. Depression may settle in. Maybe we just numb ourselves and we just don't care. We just don't care. In order to manage the pain of the past, the shame causes us to do harmful things to ourselves, to our soul. Maybe it's narcissism, reckless behavior that comes out. In the scriptures, David, the author here, was very, very well aware of hiding sin. First off, the adultery that he had with Bathsheba, and then trying to cover that by having her husband murdered. And it wasn't just adultery. He abused his power to take a woman in the kingdom for himself. She had no ability to say no to the king. And then has her husband killed. And tries to gloss over it, marrying the woman. But going on from there, his children and in his own home in 2 Samuel 13, some of his children, a son named Amnon, was attracted to his sister, Tamar, and wanted her. And he lured her and raped her. She was set aside 
in absolute shame. David got angry, but he didn't do anything about it. One of their brothers, Absalom, he embodied the injustice and that anger. And several years later, he would exact that justice and vengeance and he would kill Amnon. This, this percolating shame in the home of David wouldn't just stop there. Eventually, Absalom would end up usurping David and taking his throne. And David's on the run. The house of David begins to crumble because of the secret sin and shame. And they wouldn't deal with it. They wouldn't talk about it. They wouldn't address it. And they wouldn't bring the justice that was right and necessary. So vengeance and brokenness and Tamar was forgotten in shame. The victim. We have this tendency, friends, to keep silent. And we feel it. He says, David describes this, my bones wasted away. You feel like this, just this weakening in your, your soul, this, this aching within the soul that when we start to let ourselves feel it, because all these other things we've done is to avoid the feeling of the, the, the bad vibes, the brokenness, and it eats at our soul. He says, day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as in the heat of summer. You just feel that the sucking of life. The depression. Because he, David, was trying to manage it all himself. But when I stopped covering, he says, I, I confess my transgressions. The Lord was right there. He was right there to say, I love you and I forgive you. I'm going to release you from this. There's consequences and God's grace enables us to accept the consequences because we grow through those consequences. They're no, they don't shame us because Jesus is our identity. Those things that have happened in our family, we're tempted to just keep them silent. The unwritten rule, don't talk. We just keep going on. Maybe that continues to show up at Thanksgiving and Christmas. But it starts here with Christ today. Where he's saying, let's bring it out. Sin done in the family or sin done to you. The word confess merely means to agree with God. I'm agreeing with God that either what I did was wrong or I'm agreeing with God that what was done to me, that was wrong. What was hidden in my family? That's wrong. I'm agreeing with so confessing it is agreeing with him, naming it, and it's out loud. Not in your head. There's something powerful about verbally speaking the truth. This was sin, this was wrong. And verbally, explicitly receiving God's forgiveness god's great love for you at the ridiculous expense of jesus 
I powerfully encountered this personally when in high school, several weeks ago, I shared a bit of some of this testimony. But in the depths of my self-destruction, my rebellion, stealing, pornography, sexual sin, destruction of other people's property, just this spiral that I was down in, destruction of self-destructive thoughts in my head. And it was part of this youth group and these, these young men, these seniors or college students, they had this accountability group and they were talking very honestly and openly about their struggles with sexual sin, with pornography, their struggles with pride and anger. There's this vulnerability and they were talking about things and I was like, whoa, this is What did I get myself into? This is extremely uncomfortable. We don't talk about these things. There's something powerfully inviting. As these brothers exhibited freedom in Christ. And it was in this place of this this safe place of confession. Of being able to share with these brothers that I learned the power personally of, of, of being able to speak of the pain of the past, to speak of my own sin and my own brokenness, to name these things and not hide anymore. And my life began to radically change. I didn't know the grace of God until then. I knew about it up here. I could say, God loves me. I didn't know it here because I hadn't brought the depths out to let him take the yuck the trash, the dirt, the filth, and say, I love you. Let me take it for you. Let me replace it with my love for you, with my righteousness, my perfection stands in your place. You're my son. Later, when I was a young adult, it wasn't until then that I began to to address the issues of boundaries in my life because in my home there was a lot of anger. And my dad had overcome so much and faced so much in terms of trauma in his life in the military. A wicked stepmother, a classic kind of Cinderella scenario and the abuse in the home and rejection and pain and he just pain upon pain mounted in his life. And he had come to Christ and he was trying his best to let Christ change him. But that pain of the past came out in anger in the home at times. And we didn't talk about it. My dad loved us and he tried his best. And he gave us a better life than he ever experienced. But we didn't talk about the anger. And I internalized this reality that don't feel. I can't get angry. Anger's bad. Anger's wrong. Don't feel that, which translated to don't have boundaries. I'm a doormat. You got to be nice to everybody. That you're responsible. I'm responsible for how people feel. And so I was a doormat. I had no boundaries. In addition, when I was younger, one of our neighbors took advantage of me sexually. It wasn't until I was a young adult actually going through my counseling program that I began to realize these things are wrong. 
I didn't realize I had been, I was wrong and what had been done to me. And I could say that and I could name it. I had taken responsibility for what was done to me. Because that's the infection of shame when abuse happens. Is we take the other person's sin and we take it on ourselves and we take responsibility and we let those thoughts get in our head and we live off of those. We, co- we become complicit with the lies. And that was where I was living. I still today have to catch myself because that shame tries to come back in. But there was a transformational moment of me coming to Christ and bringing these things out of the past and recognizing these boundaries that have been crossed and to name it, this is wrong. This is sin. This is injustice. I needed to confess it myself. In order for the Lord to begin to affirm my identity in him. That I'm worth loving. That I'm worth having boundaries. That it's good for others. Not just myself. Shame seeks to cause us to hide from God. But Jesus on the cross beckons us. No, hide yourselves in me. Hide your sin in me. Let me take it. Let me take it from you. Let me heal you. Let me forgive you. There's no matter of beating yourself up, beating yourself down, that's going to pay enough. There's no matter of good things you can do to make up for the bad things. The only person who can take it and who's done it all and paid it all, who's good enough, is Jesus. You don't have to keep trying. Surrender and let him pay it all for you. Let his wounds on the cross, let his crucifixion pull the poison, extract the poison of what's been done to you, out of you, that you can live in his truth. Verse 6, David says, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Friends, Jesus is inviting you to be delivered. Let everyone who is godly. That's just what that means is those who trust the Lord, not trusting yourself. What it means to be godly is to trust him. He's good. He is my king. Instead of trusting me, I know better. Our trust in ourselves is what leads us to shame, is what leads us to covering things ourselves. And he's saying, no, exchange it. Come to me. Trust me. While he may be found, you know what the great thing is, is, Jesus can be found all the time. 
Psalm 139, David explains that even in the darkness, he tries to hide. Even in the darkness, you are there. There's no depths to which you can fall or go that Jesus is not already there waiting on you, waiting for you, that he cannot lift you out of. You are my hiding place. Friends, today, experience that. You, you are my hiding place. The sense of security and safety. Trouble's going to come. But he's surrounded with deliverance. You see, the shame is going to stop. But we now stand in a very different position. We used to stand in a position of powerlessness to the shame. But now under the cross, we stand in power. Because Christ has taken it all. Christ has paid it for me. Christ has taken it on himself for me. Christ has released me. Shame has no power over me anymore. And we can stand in that. When we make God our hiding place... We confess our secret sins or the sins done to us when we receive his forgiveness and his deliverance. First John says this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And to purify us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Peter says this. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. This particular passage is dealing with people who have experienced abuse. In 2 Peter, he's addressing slaves and wives who are two vulnerable populations to being abused and taken advantage of. How do we navigate that? It is his wounds. It is him taking the pain. He was with us in those spaces and times uh, 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 of, of being wronged. And he takes it upon himself. I want to guide us through a couple different prayers this morning. How do we step out of darkness into light? How do, how do we take this step with Jesus? How do we begin to talk about what's swept under the rug and our family things that we don't talk about? Where do we begin? This first, this first prayer is for personal sin. Sins that we have done. And this next one is about things that have been done to us. Lord, I acknowledge, and go back, please. Lord, I acknowledge my personal sin or this family pattern. Forgive me for hiding this from you. And it's important that you name it specifically. Okay? Not keeping it general, but being very specific about what this is and what the pattern is, what the behavior is, what the heart condition is, what the thoughts are, the lies that are eating at you. Forgive me for hiding this from you. Forgive me for this sin, this thought, this behavior of mine. 
Help me to take responsibility for my sin and the consequences of it. I renounce the authority of this family pattern or this behavior, this sin in my life. Deliver me from this. Thank you for your forgiveness. Change me and live your life through me. Friends, it is so important, this piece of being intentional to receive forgiveness. Sometimes we confess, but we gloss over this. Here's the deal. If we don't do a replacement piece with Jesus, we're demons removed from a house, and, 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 but the house not being filled, and, and those demons coming back and checking out this home and finding it's not been filled, and they go and get seven more demons worse off than themselves and fill this home. There's this principle that Jesus alludes to, this, this replacement. We need Christ to fill the place where there was sin, shame, or Satan's power and authority. We need to be intentional of receiving his forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, I'm forgiven. Thank you that my sin doesn't define me. Thank you, Lord, that it is gone and as far as east is from the west. This I want you to take a moment privately, personally here. To just begin this prayer for yourselves. As the Holy Spirit may, may be pointing out things in your own personal life. Take a moment to walk through this prayer yourself. Father, we thank you for the promise that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. That as far as the east is from the west, so far you remove our sin from us. And as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your love. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want to now walk through a prayer for those of you who have been sinned against. Now, I want to acknowledge at this moment, friends, that this, as we've been talking about these things, things that may have been stirred up, that are powerful, that are deep. And, it, and, and, and it's going to be important for you to have others to walk with you through this. To not walk alone in this pain. Starting with the Lord. This may, this may be professional counseling. It may be connecting with some close friends that you trust or, 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 or myself and walking through some counseling. But as we uncover sin that's done to us, there might be damage that has been done that we need help over the long term to experience healing for. That it's not immediate Satan wants to isolate you. Remember this, okay? And to keep you from taking those steps of healing. 
Lord, I acknowledge that this thing happened to me. This is important. And externalizing this because as victims, the power of shame is to weld our identity that somehow you are responsible for the sin that was done to you. Lord, I acknowledge this happened. Forgive me for hiding this. I acknowledge what was done to me or in our family was wrong and sin. I need justice. Listen, friends, this may sound awkward or wrong, but sin deserves justice. There's an instinct in you of a need for justice. That's right, because you're made in God's image. The problem is when we try to exact that justice ourselves. This is where we need God, who's the right judge. Who can only exact that justice. It's my right to retaliate and bring about that justice. Father, I trust you to bring about justice for this wrong. I receive Christ's death in the place of this person. I forgive this person for their sin. I release them, them and myself from my justice for this sin. Forgiveness is just as much for you as it is for the other person. Forgiveness isn't reconciliation. Forgiveness doesn't mean you trust in this relationship, especially in abusive relationships. Right? Forgiveness begins with you and God. This is you're dealing with things with you and God and being released. You can go to the next slide. I bring my pain and fear to you. Please help me to step out of the darkness into the light. I let you take the pain and poison of what was done to me. I will not be defined by it anymore. I am defined by you. I renounce the power of this shame over me. And I claim the power of the cross to heal me and set me free. Grant me the courage to hide in you and not from you. Can you go back to the previous slide? I want you to take a moment to just pray with the Father through this prayer. I'm going to have the worship team come on down during this time as well. And if you wouldn't mind praying instrumentally. Take a moment here, friends, as we pray through, silently praying through this prayer. Pray that you thank you, Jesus, that you were there 
these wrongful things were done. That you were there. You feel it. You take it on yourself, Jesus. By your wounds. What was done to me was done to you. And you want to take the shame. You want to take the power. That these things may be memories, but they no longer have power over me. Jesus, I want to receive. Jesus, I want to receive your healing. I want to receive your love. I want to receive you defining me, not this event, not this what was taken from me, God. Jesus, I receive you taking my pain and my poison. The thoughts that eat at me, God. The hurtful things, Lord Jesus. That say I'm not worth anything. The hurtful things that say I'm, I'm dirty and I'm broken. The hurtful things, Jesus. That say just end it all. Jesus, I bring it to you, the poison, God. Jesus, in my darkness, meet me. Bring me into the light. I stand on your truth. I stand that I'm loved. I stand, Jesus, that the darkness has no hold on me. I stand, Jesus, releasing my control and receiving that you're holding me in my pain. I don't have to protect myself. You protect me now, Jesus. Lord, help guard me in this moment. Guard me in these steps going forward. Let me trust you to protect my soul, protect me. As I know the enemy's going to come, the enemy's going to attack. The shame's going to come back, but Jesus, help me stand in you. Help me stand on you. Jesus, help me to receive you. You are fighting for me and you surround me with songs of deliverance. I'm free. I'm no longer a slave. I'm free in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The worship team is going to close us out, friends. But if you need prayer, if the Lord stirred something up here, and you need prayer, please feel free to come on forward and come on down. Seek out a friend. Let the journey of healing begin.